Good afternoon. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Hi, Greg. Hi, Brett. Why so soft-spoken? I don't know. Trying something new. Okay. I don't want to come screaming out of the gate. (laughs) Uh, No one really coming screaming out of the gate at the Masters. We're waiting for Dustin Johnson to come out. He is the favorite this week, although he had a little bit of a slip down the stairs in the house that he's renting. He's got some back issues, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. And for the non-golfers out there and those not paying attention to the Masters, we apologize for all the Masters-related news as we make our way through the next four days. It's something that so many people are paying attention to, so we'll do our best to keep you up to date as we can and interject the odd score and happening down in Augusta, Georgia, as we make our way through our afternoon till four o'clock. And in case you are not, you don't follow golf and wonder why, why do people care about this Masters tournament? They have, it's essentially like a Stanley Cup playoff, sort of. It's a bit, an event on that side of the scale. Golf has what they call major events. This is the first of four majors. So it's four of the biggest tournaments of the year. The Masters is the biggest tournament of the year. So that's why people get excited about it. So you will hear the Masters a lot. Whether you like it or not, I'm afraid. <laughs> Later on in the program, Carolyn Clausen will join us. It's a regular Thursday afternoon visit. She is going to tell us which of the two genders initiate divorce proceedings more often. And it's a very dramatic number. It's 69% initiated by one of the two partners. We'll tell you which partner. And uh, Sarah and Brian Baumler, they are one of the two more famous couples on television, Canadian television and American television on HGTV. We'll ask them about working so closely together. Their on-screen relationship can be a little bit tense at times. I think some of that is for the camera and for effect. We'll see if we can get out of them, whether or not that's the case and how they solve uh, little disagreements when they're building a house together or doing a renovation and maybe some tips for working with your spouse. There are a lot of people who do that every single day. I was told never to teach your partner, uh, more specifically your wife, to drive a car or to drive a golf club. Okay. I would never, ever try and teach Jackie how to golf. I think that would initiate immediate divorce proceedings, I would say, within 45 minutes. Uh, This is just coming across now. There is some breaking news uh, that Don Rickles has died at the age of 90. Don't want to assume that you know who necessarily know who Don Rickles is. I am ashamed to say that I that name did not ring a bell, but a quick Google search shows a familiar face, and uh, he's a comedian, passed away at the age of 90 as a result of kidney failure. Uh, he was known as an insult comic. Uh, he was also an actor, playing both comedic and dramatic roles on film, and received widespread exposure as a frequent guest on The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson and Late Show with David Letterman. So once again, comedian, actor Donald Rickles, Don Rickles, has died at the age of 90 due to kidney failure. Uh, that is uh, sad news indeed for a lot of people of uh, many generations who Don Rickles was one of the Original stand-up comedians on television. He started in vaudeville, that Bob Hope era, and of course did tours, performed a lot for American servicemen overseas. He was uh, he, he very much gave back to the uh, community and to his country. So we... Now that we have uh, provided that uh, unfortunate news, we do want to switch gears here a little bit and refer to a topic that we sort of teased with Jeff Courier. And the topic 
is how long do you spend in the shower? This came up as a conversation in our newsroom. Just a casual conversation with one of our coworkers who said he likes to shower for 15 minutes. I came to his defense as someone who also likes to do that. And he was he was berated rather soundly by a number of our colleagues who say, that's way too long for a shower. Six minutes is the max. So that got us talking. Why is 15 minutes too long? And apparently there is a formula, according to some people, that if you want to be a successful person, you should spend no more than six minutes in the shower. I remember reading that in Sam Walton's book, the founder of Walmart. And let's face it, he's the founder of one of the most successful companies on the planet. Six minutes sounded like a good idea to him. So I've tried to incorporate that. I won't plead not guilty to taking a little bit longer than that from time to time. But yeah, 15 minutes, that almost seems like luxury. (laughs) That would be something that you would, you know, in terms of a, the time and the hot water, Mm -hmm. you know, when you live in a house with more than one person, a, you've got to ration the hot water because typically there's a lineup at the door for you in the morning, you know, people, Flipping on and off the light for you to get out of the shower, banging on the door. Are you got something done in there? My poor kids, they get it like six, seven times every morning. Are you almost at what stage are you at? You know, <laughs> getting these constant updates. And so 15 minute shower, my word. I, yeah, I think we maybe have about 30 minutes of hot water all together, the hot water tank, if you're running four showers in a row. But that's why it's nice when you go to the hotel. Yep. Right? There's no timer. You don't have to adjust it. You put it on that temperature and it stays that temperature the whole time. But in your apartment building, you're telling me you deal with these fluctuations in temperature? Yeah, I do. It's uh, I don't know if it, how common this is in all apartment buildings. Mine is older. It's not like 100 years old, but I, if I had to guess, I'd say it's from the 50s or the 60s. And it, I have, I shouldn't say it happens every time because sometimes I take showers that odd times of day where it's a, la- a lower traffic. I would imagine early, you know, sort of seven, between seven and nine is a busy time in the morning. Sometimes I might take a shower on a weekend a bit later. Uh, but generally speaking, my showers will, I think I spend just as much time sort of running away from the shower <laughs> on the other side of the tub as oh. I do under the water, which oh, is partially wow. why my showers end up being a bit longer because it'll either go really hot or it'll go really cold more hot than cold because i guess if someone flushes a toilet that makes the the water hot that's frustrating it's really frustrating because it would be nice to take a shower and i think maybe that's also one of the reasons why sometimes i do just kind of let it ride because the odd time that i get an uninterrupted shower does feel like a luxury that's fair cam says he likes a half hour in the shower. He says he's whittled it down to 25 minutes. Wow. Are you kidding me? Nice, Cam. We have some more breaking news here regarding the Masters. As we said, we will be referring to the Masters uh, here and there. And Dustin Johnson, the world's number one player, has withdrawn oh, geez. from the Masters with that back injury That's that Greg referred to. So uh, a huge blow for Dustin Johnson, who has been playing the, he's been playing the best golf of his career and the best golf of anybody in the last year. And he likely would have been... Had a, a good as good a chance of anybody. He was to the win absolute the favorite on every betting list at every betting house. He was the favorite, and of course, he has added appeal. I think sometimes in Canada. 
because he's married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter, Paulina. He's had a little bit of a storied history. He's had has battled addiction in the past, and his story is really a comeback story. A guy who's been victimized several times by crazy rule violations on course. Yeah, twice. Twice crazy stuff. And so uh, it's unfortunate now that Dustin Johnson seemed to have his uh, golf career on cruise control. Something like this, a freak accident at home would now have him withdraw from the Masters. That's that's uh, That kind of sucks. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it does. Uh, he was He's the biggest name in golf right now, and uh, with Tiger Woods not playing either, there's uh, every time there's, there was hope that he would play, but he he was made it official uh, a few weeks ago. I guess now that he's not going to play. I think Tiger Woods is uh, completely done. I think that's the end of his career, and I think he should just let it just let it go. Let sleeping dogs lie. Move on to something else. Uh, I think that pursuit of Jack Nicklaus's uh, career record for major tournaments. I think he should just let that one go because I think that's probably what drives him to continue. So. Uh, Dustin Johnson has withdrawn from the Masters. Don Rickles has passed away. That's all in the last 10 minutes. Breaking news right here on Mackling and McGarry. Why don't we take a break? We'll update you on the weather forecast and see if we can't get through six, seven minutes without any breaking news here on 680 CJOB. How long do you take in the shower? 118 on this Thursday afternoon. Later on this afternoon, Carolyn Clausen will be here to talk about divorce. Who initiates divorce more often? Which partner? 69%. Is it the wives? Is it the husbands? Brian and Sarah Baumler will join us following information at 1.30. And Todd Kearns, the lead singer of The Age of Electric, will join us at 2 o'clock. Brett McGarry, we're talking about showers. How long do you take in the shower? How long is too long in the shower? This is a conversation that was triggered by a chat we had in the newsroom where one of our young colleagues said he likes to take 15-minute showers and he came under fire by a number of other <laughs> colleagues. I eventually, eventually, after watching him squirm for a little while, jumped to his defense and said, I like to take long showers too. Uh, and uh, Dave has texted us at 204-780-6868. The chain hotel we use in Calgary Goes from hot to warm to cold, then back to warm, back and forth. I took my watch in the shower and started timing it. The fluctuation would start at exactly the same time every visit. Hmm. Good for you. That's rather industrious of you to to get in the shower and, and time it, but also sort of unfortunate. Really. That's one of the tricks in helping uh, your younger people in your house get down to that six, seven, eight minute shower is to... To give them a ta- time a timer so that they know how long they're in the shower, and uh, that's one of the bits of advice, one of the life hacks on on a shower, and something called the Navy shower. It's a two minute shower, two minutes, two minutes, and the water isn't even running the entire time, Brett. Oh my! When all other time saving efforts fail, t- try taking a Navy shower. A Navy shower keeps water use to an ultimate minimum getting the wash down to as little as two minutes. You'll use the first 30 seconds to get wet and then turn off the water. Next, lather up with soap and scrub away. Finally, turn the water on again to rinse off in a minute or less. Voila, shower over. And typically when you're doing the Navy shower, you're doing it in a shower room with other people around and maybe even the drill sergeant watching. (laughs) Yeah. That would make me feel uncomfortable. I think so. Uh, but it, there, there is an interesting point in this, is in terms of hacks, and it says, 
Your morning shower can be the difference between a great day and a chaotic nightmare. If you've ever powered through your shower routine only to realize nearly 30 minutes passed while you were on autopilot in La La Land, then you know it can trigger a rushed and stressful morning. And I can certainly attest to that. There are plenty of times where I say, okay, I know I need to take a quick shower or quicker than usual shower. And it ends up, this is a perfect way to describe it. Autopilot in La La Land, where I just kind of stand in there daydreaming and I get out and I look at the clock and think, what? What? I'm late again. So do you ever get out of the shower realizing you forgot to do one of the three or four things you do in there? No. (laughs) Like you forget to rinse out the shampoo or like I brush my teeth in the shower. Really? Yeah. Well, cause I'll put my, I'll put the soap in my hair Uh cause it's supposed to be in there for a couple minutes. Right. So I lather up the soap, brush my teeth. And you're supposed to brush for a couple of minutes, so that's a good sort of time. And then I, you know, soap up or whatever, rinse my hair, rinse the body, and uh, rinse out my mouth. Huh. In and out, ready I've, to go. I never, I never would have thought to shower or to, to brush my teeth in the shower. Oh, I love brushing my teeth in the shower. My kids do it now too. You ever, ever drink a beer in the shower? Of course, I've drank a beer in the shower. <laughs> Look like some kind of rookie over here. <laughs> well, apparently, I'm the rookie because I when a first the first time a friend of mine told me that that. And that he does it, and that it's a regular thing. I said, a beer in the shower, really? And and then he looked at me like I was some like sort of a you were odd. Like, I, 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 and I wasn't thinking, what a strange person. I just thought, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But apparently I am the odd man out on that. I I don't think, I still haven't done it, because I'd be, I think I'd be concerned to drop it and waste it. I'm oh, clumsy. Well, wasting it, yeah, whatever. You, you, you'd figure it out. Dean says he showers for as long as he wants. Dean, I want your life. Five to 20 minutes, depending. Hot as I want, as much flow as I can get. <laughs> That's another reason, and uh, thank you for mentioning that. That's another reason why my showers end up being longer, because the rental company changed the faucets to go for a probably Bastards. probably because I take 15 minute showers but they changed all the faucets so now I have one of those really weak shower heads I need to get the, the elephant gun shower head that Kramer ended up getting on Seinfeld <laughs> because they changed the faucets both in my shower and my kitchen sink the water comes out so weak in my <sighs> kitchen sink it doesn't even the soap won't even sud up. Don't they realize you end up using more water in the long run by installing these things? I think, well, that's certainly what's happened in the shower. Right, because the soap doesn't come off you the same way. You end up standing there for longer. Uh, all the suds off. You can't see your back. You, you end up standing underneath the shower head. And question. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't want to know the answer to that. Okay. Uh, oh, well, no, when I'm we curious. talk to Brian and Sarah... The trends in showers, because Dean mentioned, you know, two words, wall jets. Here we are in this era. Here we are talking about saving water and saving time and not spending so much time in the shower. Like luxury showers are probably one of the top five renovations right now. It's to turn your bathroom into a getaway spa. And one of the must-haves is one of those rain shower heads and the wall jets, like multiple shower heads. So we'll talk about how those those two match up because uh, it's super popular right now to create that getaway spa in your bathroom. I think we're spending more time in the bathroom now, not less. I think you're probably right. Uh, well, you are not probably. You certainly are right. Uh, the idea of having a luxury shower, especially after they, they changed the head into this really econo, cheap, 
water saving, the idea of having jets and stuff. Oh, that that sounds like a like a dream. How long? Here's it. Just say this is a byproduct of the shower thing. How long do you take in the morning to get ready? Are you uh, wake up? And go kind straight of in, straight in. I try and get up before everybody else in the house so I can get into the shower. I put my tunes on as quietly as I can because I got to have music when I'm in the shower so nobody else can hear me singing because I'm such a terrible singer. And uh, yeah, six, seven minutes, but it's yeah, it's routine. I got to do it. I have to have a shower every day. Okay. If I don't have a shower, I'm, I'm toast. Yep. Yep. So I, I like a, as somebody, my cousin once described it. I like my pokey time in the morning. I like to get up and dawdle around, have a have a bowl of cereal or something, read uh, my Entertainment Weekly magazine, then maybe I'll eventually get into the. I mean, I will eventually get into the shower, but I like to if I can take my time because the odd time where you wake up late or whatever, and you gotta, I gotta race. I don't like rushing in the morning. I like to I like to take my time. What was the song, the theme song from All in the Family? Those were the days. I remember those and, days. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, you have, it's not just you. You got to make sure that you can get your shower in before everybody else. And yeah, you're a family man, a That's good right. family man. Here's a good one. I drink a cup of coffee in the shower all the time, almost every morning. Talk about combining activities. That's what we've had to do. Amalgamate our loves in the morning, right? You know, got to have a shower, get that coffee going, get in, get dressed, get out of the house as quickly as possible. Andre texted, Low water pressure in your faucets is probably because the little screens are clogged. Andre, if uh, that's a that's a good point, but they I remember specifically they came in and changed my faucets and they were terrible. They were fine before, and then at, once they changed them, they were terrible. So it's not it's not that they went to these water saving faucets and they're awful. So I can I concur. I love the environment. I'm all in favor of saying saving electricity, natural gas, and Water overall, but you're not saving anything when you go to those low-pressure shower heads. I know our friends at Manitoba Hydro are going to be really angry for saying that, but <laughs> I really don't care. 127 Global News coming up next. You ready? Oh, Brian, this isn't our home. Oh, my God. Demo has begun. But the attic is full of mold. Oh, my gosh. There's asbestos. Yeah, so you picked a real winner here. But well worth it in the end. We'll see. Can we take out all the block walls? Honestly, I would be better to take the house right down to the foundation. Get rid of the whole thing. You're not thinking. It's Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. And the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show is on this weekend. It's actually started today at the RBC Convention Center. And we are joined by a very special guest who is going to be presenting at the Home and Garden Show. And Greg, I know this is something you've been a little excited about. Well, if there's anything I watch as much as Winnipeg Jets hockey on TV, it's home improvement shows hosted by our next guest, Brian Baumler. Brian, thanks for taking some time with us today. No problem. I thought you guys were talking about Sarah <laughs> when you said you were excited to have the next guest on. <laughs> well, you know what, Brian? We are excited to welcome Sarah, but it's nice to get an opportunity to talk to you before she joins us because sure. I, I have to know, what is it like working with your wife? I mean, your confrontations are somewhat legendary 
on televisions in terms of you kind of keeping things from Sarah and then begging for forgiveness later on. So I'll ask you for some advice on how to get that forgiveness. But did you actually really, going back to when you built that beautiful cottage, did you buy that property without your wife's approval? Yeah, I mean, well, I put an offer in on it. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't seal the deal fully, but uh, I mean, you can you can. There's always ways out of an offer for sure. But uh, no, I I mean, I I think I'm I'm like most husbands out there, and I I think Sarah and I have a, a similar relationship to most people, where uh, you know you've got to you've got to test the boundaries, you've got to find the the edge of the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done that more than a couple times. Brian Baumler joins us now. You know him from Leave It to Brian. House of Brian, and now Brian Inc. And so give us some advice on getting out of the doghouse when you've made one of those decisions that's taken you right to the cliff before Sarah joins us here. I think she's uh, just calling in, so make it snappy. Oh, boy. And before I get caught, um, you know, it, it, it really is. We have a lot of fun working together. And, and uh, you know, Sarah's been involved in the businesses for uh, for the past 12 to 15 years, I mean, before we had kids. Um so it's just a matter of you, you got to keep some giggles in it and uh, you got to have fun. And every now and then, uh, you know, it's stressful building and renovating together for sure. But it's like anything else. It's uh, it could just be a catalyst to a to a nightmare in a relationship. So every now and then you have to put the brakes on and say, you know what, we're going to go out this weekend. We're not going to talk about work. We're not going to talk about the reno. Uh, let's just focus on something else. And you have to follow those rules if you want to stay sane. Sarah Baumler joins us now, and Sarah, thanks for taking some time. Clearly, you're in separate locations where we've got you in separate phone lines. We look forward to having you here in Winnipeg. Sarah, the, well, we appreciate it. We've even got some beautiful weather uh, awaiting you. Uh, doing a renovation as a couple is a huge challenge and a huge stress test on a relationship. How many have you and Brian been through together? And and how do you stop from wanting to kill one another? What what's what's the trick of pulling off a successful renovation uh, with your partner involved? Well, look at today. We're in different locations on different phone lines, so maybe we haven't uh, mastered it quite yet. <laughs> but you know what? As, as Brian always says, too, we enjoy what we do. Over the years, we have come to learn how to compromise. Uh, I definitely had to, to well, learn say, that. Let's and, just say we're still learning. <laughs> we're, we are still learning. Um, but I think, I think for us, um, Brian's very good at bringing it back and sort of having some fun and light at the end of every day and just remembering why we're doing what we do and why we love it. I think in the thick of it, it gets very stressful as couples dealing with money and family and trying to build a home together. But at the end of it, you have to remember you have to enjoy the journey and that's that's what the enjoyment, that's what you'll remember when the day is done. You'll remember those memories and we still look back to every build and we remember the chaos during, not only the glory at the end. Brian Baumler, uh, the question I wanted to have or ask you is, you've been doing this for a while, you've been on television for a while. How did your, your journey on television start? Uh, well, that, it was accidental, to be honest. Um, it's funny, I, w- I was a kid, you know, in my early 20s, I had a real bad case of uh, uh, anxiety disorder. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time having... Uh, you know, uh, panic attacks and all kinds of this stuff. So I would, I was never destined, uh, or did I have any desire to be on stage or have people looking at me or, or listening to me? 
so it was it was a real weird uh, journey to the television. Uh, but a big part of me is, is a, a business guy and a marketing guy and a, a contractor and builder. And, and part of my marketing plan was to get the company out there and get people to see it. So I literally tore through the internet and uh, and found a production company that was casting with uh, HGTV. And I sent them a, a very simple email and I said, hey, I own a construction company. There's six of us. Uh, we're all very talented. Some of the guys are okay to look at, uh, but we all work very hard. And I offered them uh, three months of free labor uh, in exchange for some advertising. And I was willing to give up my entire summer, probably a, a half million to $700,000 construction season, for free uh, to, to invest in the future and, and kind of farm, farm away and, and uh, you know, get some eyeballs on the company, get some advertising. But it, it really spiraled out of control until one day I, I uh, had a quick interview with the production company on camera. Uh, you know, made a few uh, smart-ass remarks and got a call from the head of the network, and she said, how would you like to have your own show? Uh, and it's it's been a, I mean, it's just been a blur since then. Uh, but we've had, uh, we've had a lot of fun. Well, you're quick-witted. You always have a snappy comeback. And Sarah, does everybody <laughs> really like Brian as much as it appears on TV? Yes. <laughs> Sad as it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. you, you've got to come. I'm at the home office. Sarah's at our office today, so. Sarah, I rule the roots at the office office, so that's nice. <laughs> I don't no, even have must... a desk in our office. Yes, that's true. Sarah, People I'm always... always say that Brian's exactly what you see on TV, and he, he truly is that. If you have the opportunity to meet Brian in person, he is exactly the same man you see on TV. He is uh, smart-witted, he's funny, he's just kind-hearted. That's who he is. Oh my goodness, Sarah, you're swooning right now. It's <laughs> fabulous. Hey, you know... Uh... We should uh, go out for dinner later if you're not busy... Uh... Oh, <laughs> we got lots of great places in Winnipeg. We'll give you a list. Sarah and, and Brian Baum are coming to Winnipeg for the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show. It's uh, underway today at the RBC Convention Center. They will be there. And Sarah, you know, it's one thing when I'm moving a picture or the sofa to just the right location, but you have a penchant for moving entire fireplaces and <laughs> feature walls and that sort of thing. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, changes, the changes add up really quick when you're building a house. And so how, how do you avoid them? Because a lot of people do have that genuine inability to conceive and to look ahead and conceptualize. I can't imagine you have that issue. Why did changes end up taking place at the last minute in your case and situation? You know what? I think it's the same when we talk to people about budgeting and we say that people usually under budget and that you should start sort of being more aware that you're going to probably need to budget higher. I think it's the same in terms of contingency and timing because when you're in the build and you have the opportunity to stop and take a moment and step back and really analyze something, you need to do that. But everyone feels that there's this pressure to hurry up and finish it and get it done and get in there. But this is this is your home. This is where you'll spend your your life. And you don't want to be staring at a fireplace for years to come wishing you'd step back, taken an extra week, taken an extra day to think about that and make a change if you felt it necessary. And I think people don't always trust their judgment, but it's it's your home. And every project that we've done, I've always said to Brian, you know, this is what's right for our family. It might not be right for everybody, but if, if you have the opportunity to do your own space, to do your own renovation, you need to make sure that it functions properly 
for your family and don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to say this doesn't work for us. And whether it's the builder, in my case, he happens to be my husband, sometimes you have to push back a little and just say that's not right for us. And that's okay. Take the time and listen to your instincts. A lot of people get bogged down, actually, and they, they feel this, this stress that you, know, you, you made a plan. you got to stick to your plan. Uh, get it done as fast as possible, and, and, and don't look uh, don't look back, don't look sideways. But, uh, you know, this is where I always come in and inject some perspective. I'm like, well, what's the big deal if it's an extra week? Um, you know, take your time. Make the changes that you want to. You're, you're entitled to, to make changes and change your mind. And as you build a house and, and walk through the space, uh, you start to feel it differently than when you're looking at the blueprints on the on the paper, and and uh, you know, uh, it might come down to prices or material changes or or, or decisions, uh, but it's okay to make changes. Brian and Sarah Baumler are in Winnipeg this weekend for the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show. They will be appearing on the Urban Barn main stage tomorrow evening at six, and then Saturday at. Or pardon me, uh, 6 p.m. Friday. Yes, I had the dates mixed up there. 6 p.m. tomorrow and then 1 p.m. Saturday. And we're going to continue our conversation in a moment. They are the stars of HGTV's Brian Inc. We mentioned we would ask them about showers, Greg. Why don't we do that after Sounds good. your forecast on 680 CJOB. 148 on your Thursday afternoon, the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show underway at the RBC Convention Center. Brian and Sarah Baumler will be there on the main stage tomorrow at 6 and then 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and they're visiting with us now. And Sarah, I want to ask you about showers and bathrooms, this whole trend in multiple head showers. We were having a discussion in our first half hour about how long is an appropriate time to take a shower. Some say six minutes. The Navy says two. Brett says 15. We've got <laughs> listeners saying a half an hour. How do you get out of a shower with multiple shower heads in less than half an hour these days? Uh, we are a uh, shower family, so we're probably the wrong people to ask on that one. We built um, a nice size shower <laughs> in our master bath, but as yeah, Brian and I always 110 square feet. Sorry? <laughs> 110 square feet. That's our, uh, bigger than <laughs> my gazebo in my backyard. <laughs> okay. We have multiple children, and Brian will get in, and then I'll kick him out, and I'll get in, and then we'll have a child join, and then uh, before you know it, I, every child has come in and used that shower in the morning. It's chaos. <laughs> so you you don't you don't keep them out. That becomes uh, as much as that's uh, you know a, a mummy daddy space. At least that's what we call it in my house. Uh, it ends up becoming a communal center. Well, well there's a you know lock what? I'm the door. Don't. don't. There's yeah. a lock on the door for the private time. Of course. I, I get in there some days, and all of a sudden there's one kid, two kid, three kid. All of a sudden there's six of us in there having a, a discussion before school. Yeah, but we also uh, have a six- and 12-year-old boy. If I can even get them in the shower, I'm happy. Right, so. <laughs> right. But this is a real trend, right, is having this this special spot in our homes for uh, real relaxation, getting your day started or ending your day. No, exactly. I think people were seeing sort of that trend in that spa bathroom, but also in just the the principal bedroom as a whole. I think that's an area that uh, Brian has focused on a lot in building, but we've seen it uh, in the past few years that people really want to retreat and they want to feel that hotel serenity in their own home. And I think with the way society is and it's hectic for everyone, we're 
constantly working or on our mobile phones and things like that, that sort of oasis or that little retreat is becoming more and more important for people and homeowners. Brian, I know you always hammer on the budget and staying within budget and you give Sarah a hard time when, you know, things like walk-in wine coolers come on to the, on the <laughs> forefront, which are spectacular, by the way, Sarah, the wine culture and everything is a big deal. But Brian, this is as close as I'm ever going to get you to my house. I'm, yeah. I'm about 93% done a major renovation of our house. And, you know, I've got the baseboards in, but I got to paint them. I've got finishing touches here and there. And just, you know, of course, the furniture's now back in place. The tools are who knows where in the garage. <laughs> Any advice for getting over the hump? Because for so many of my buddies and my friends, that is the real pain is getting those finishing touches done. Yeah, that is a that's a huge part of it. But you know what? If you've made it to ninety three percent, you're doing better than a lot of people out there. Uh, you know, I always tell people to look at their home, and when you're going to do a renovation, sit down and, and look in the mirror and honestly tell yourself why. Uh, are you doing it to upgrade the home so you'll enjoy it while you live there? Are you doing it to uh, to you know make your spouse happy? Are you doing it to put it on the market and sell it? Um, and no matter why you're doing it, everybody wants to increase the value of their home. Uh, the problem is when you don't finish these last, you know, five or ten percent, uh, and the small details. You walk in the door and you notice that the baseboard isn't painted. Uh, but the next time you walk in, it'll take you a few minutes, and then it's a few days, and then it's a week, and then it's a month. And two years later, you don't even notice the baseboard isn't painted anymore. But the minute you lose your job, somebody gets a there's a change in your in your uh, family situation. You need to move. You need to liquidate that home. A real estate agent or a potential buyer walks in, and the very first thing they see is that unpainted trim and all these little details that add up. And they start to see it as a mountain, uh, you know, to to complete those things, and it lowers the value of your home. Uh, And it wears away on you, too. So you really have to sit down, look at your schedule, pick a day, pick a time, uh, and just pick away at it. You know, one job at a time, get each task completed so you, you don't feel like you have a bucket full of tasks. Uh, and just, just get there. Just put the hammer down. Well, pick the hammer up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah Baumler, this weekend you're presenting All Is Fair and Love and Renos on the main stage. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they come to the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show? Well, I think people expect what uh, they can just want to see Brian and I in uh, exactly the way we are in TV. I think we give a very natural and sort of raw look at what it means to renovate with your spouse. And we talk a little bit more about that. We delve into the nitty gritty on, on what it means. And we also enjoy talking to to the people that have come out and seen us at the show and, and helping them get through some of their you know, trials, tribulations, questions that they have. And that's what we sort of do. We give you a little background into why we do what we do. But also, I think it's a, a sense of... Uh, camaraderie as we as other people in the audience are sort of going through the same thing and hopefully we can help shed some light and some advice as to how to make it through and still be happily married at the end of it yeah it's therapeutic it's just uh it's an hour on the couch with brian and sarah listening to all your problems (laughs) (laughs) well uh, based on the hours i've spent watching you guys and and so many of us have uh I, i think you'd be really good therapists how do you guys work with the kids and you know, four kids, work that into your busy schedule. And, Brian, how do you keep uh, the oldest ones from touching your tools? Well, you know what? It's not even the oldest ones, to be honest. It's our, it's our, uh, our second from youngest, Lincoln, the three-year-old. Well, he, uh, sorry, he's, he's not three anymore. He's six, six now, now, sweetheart. <laughs> but when he, was, 
when he was three, that kid could sit on my lap with a seatbelt on in a track loader and, and move dirt around wherever I told him to. I mean, this guy pays attention. Uh, and, you know, we have to be careful. Safety, obviously, is really big on the, on the job site. Um, you know, we make sure nail guns are unplugged and, and unsafe things are kept away and the kids aren't around when the machinery is going. But as far as the, the filming thing goes, I mean, our, our film crew now has, has uh, been my crew for, for a number of years, uh, close to 10 years. A lot of the kids have grown up, and they know them. It's, it's all family. Uh, and when they're not there, actually, they say, hey, where are the guys today? You know, are they, why aren't they here? Um, so it's, 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 it's fun. I mean, it's great to have the kids around a little bit. Not too much. We don't want to uh, expose them to, to too much, um, you know, while they're young. But um, we just have fun, really. You know, we can't take too many things too seriously because we're not uh, we're not going to be around long enough to worry about it. Well, in, the, in the grand scheme of things i mean we're, we're not going anywhere so <laughs> your spirit comes through uh, both of you on the program and uh i want to thank you guys for taking some time and look forward to having you in the city over the next few days hey, no worries can't wait Brian and Sarah Baumler, the stars of HGTV's Brian Inc. Once again, they are in Winnipeg this weekend, which started today, the the, the Winnipeg Home and Garden Show at the Convention Centre. Brian and Sarah will present All is Fair in Love and Renos on the main stage tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock, Saturday at 1 o'clock. And... Good for Brian and Sarah for being able to, to keep it together because I know that they say uh, a real relation test can be something as simple as putting together a piece of furniture. So to survive renovation after renovation after renovation is a real testament to the strength of their relationship. If you can assemble an IKEA wardrobe and not have harsh words with your significant other, your relationship is either on the right track or has a really good possibility of extending beyond that evening of hard work. 157 on 680 CJOB Global News and Todd Kearns from Age of Electric next. We've been giving away tickets all week, all last week, all of this week, and it's finally here. Today is the day. Age of Electric tonight, Nashville's Canadians, Transcona, and we have some special guests in studio, Todd Kearns. Todd Kearns is here, the lead singer, and as well, and we weren't aware that this was happening, so it's extra special today, Ryan Dahl. Hi. Which, oh, which, hi. Is that... we, we actually shot this video at the uh, Fort Gary Hotel. That was one of our trivia questions, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> not anymore, it's not. That was on Monday, and the phone lines oh, lit up, and tons of people knew the answer. Brett said, I didn't know that, and we were mm-hmm. at a gathering last weekend. We were talking about you guys and the fact that you're coming to town, and I showed some friends that video, and a lot of people didn't realize yeah, that that's where shot, it was shot. How we many also shots, shot untitled though? untitled here at the... At uh, the ledge? Yeah, they let, us, they let us into the legislative building to shoot that video. I think it was for free also. And we, shoot, we shot various limb lifter videos here. Vicious, I think. Now we're not allowed within 50 feet of that legislative building. <laughs> <laughs> Long story. I don't want to get into it. We're lucky you're allowed off the plane <laughs> yeah, yeah, or inside yeah, the, exactly. the perimeter yeah. highway, quite frankly. <laughs> what is it? Like, you guys are Saskatchewan boys, and I won't hold that against you. <laughs> but I did live here. I did live here for a while. I, I lived here in the, in the 70s. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you get extra points for that, Ryan. And yeah. I'm going to live here in my 70s. <laughs> I'm going to come back So here. shout out to Todd, East Kildonan. Quite frankly, there's not much you could do wrong in my eyes so oh. you, you don't have
have to suck up that way. It's all good. But the idea that a band, you know, from somewhere else comes and kind of makes Winnipeg a pseudo home. Talk about how that came to be. Well, as far as video goes, we, we had a our, our good friend that shot most of our videos, a guy named Derek Horn, and he worked for MTN for a long time. So he kind of started our career visually because he'd come down to our shows, shoot film, sorry, videotape. He'd go back to the MTN studios and, and then like cut it into, a, I hope that's not a competitor. Am I saying like the No, it's all name? good that nobody okay. knows what MTN is anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd shoot it into this little mini video. So we said to him, hey, can you shoot this? Can you do this on film? We could make a video. So because he would do it at like nine o'clock at our first set. And then by 11 o'clock, the zoo would be completely full of people. You know, the Osborne Village in by, you know, 11 o'clock or midnight, it would just fill up because he'd put it on the 11 o'clock news. Yeah. So, yeah. So on top of the fact that I think that when we first came to, I mean, we were traveling a lot more in Alberta and Saskatchewan when we first started out. I remember the first time, and no one cares when you're a band that's doing stuff. You just, no one, you know, they, you, you have the rock scene that, that that's their thing. But I remember we came to Winnipeg, we played a place called the Metro. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being there and, and seeing like Uzi Susie and some bands like that being mentioned in the local paper, like not in like the music, music paper, but in like a music section of the regular whatever the paper is out here. I don't remember what it was. And then like we played a show and then all of a sudden we were reviewed in a newspaper. It was the first time I'd ever seen us in a newspaper. And I was like, wow, this music scene in this city and the art scene in, in Winnipeg has always been really strong. So it's I think culturally different. I think it than really the rest, is yeah. than the rest of the country. I used to always say it's a cultural capital of the world because or of the country and everybody in the rest of the country would get a little bit upset about that, but because they had no idea that people supported the arts here a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's apparent with visual arts as well, you know, with all the visual artists that come out of here. So, I think you guys have no idea maybe being here how how well you do support the arts compared to the rest of the country. Well, I think we do a really good job of supporting the different types of arts. Uh, yesterday, we did an interview at 2.30, uh, combination production between WSO and Rainbow Stage, right? Yeah. And the unique things that the arts community does in order to get people that weren't wouldn't otherwise be exposed to the art to come out and see it. And, and they seem to work very well together. I wanted to ask you guys because you know you were uh, you were in part of the big shiny tunes era in the nineties mm-hmm. where Canadian rock in this country in particular was king. I mean, uh, yeah. almost every band that se- the much music played was was, was yeah. a was a winner. So, what do you think it was about that era that enabled that to happen? A lot of it's probably a business conversation about whatever kind of money Universal or whatever labels had to throw around at that time. But it seemed like everybody we knew was getting signed. Like, you know, in reality, I think Age of Electric was kind of like we were doing our own thing for so long that we were sort of indie for quite a long lot of that, you know, as our friends were kind of getting major deals and all that. But but it was a very warm, um, you know, like reception for being a Canadian artist. And, and we were making our own videos at the Fort Gary Hotel and sending them into much music and they were playing them. So, I mean... It, all of our friends were in bands, and they were all signed, and they were all touring the country, too. As I, much as we feel an association with those bands, we also felt, uh, you know, a, 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 apart from them, because we were more independent. We, we were always courted by the big labels, but we never really signed a deal with the big labels in Canada. We ended up signing a deal in America with Mercury Records, and then licensing our, our records in, uh, to Universal in Canada. So we never, ever had a major record deal in Canada. So because we, I think people were a little bit afraid of us for some reason, we were a bit more headstrong about what we wanted to do. We just didn't want to like, oh, we're going to do exactly what you want us to do there. You know, we just yeah. did what we wanted and we didn't really listen to what their rules were. So 
I think we stayed in the independent. So although we were, we can, can be grouped into the, the bands of that era, I think there was a difference. I think so. But I think it's the same as when we talk about the, the grunge era. And then I go, but all those bands were different. It's the same when we talk about the Canadian music right. industry in the 90s. But the really cool thing was, is, yeah, there was a whole boom of bands, but each one of them was quite markedly different than the other. So, mm-hmm. But it was a very exciting and very healthy time to be a Canadian music uh, you know, musician. When you look back on the 90s, Compared to then to now, and you talk about how we consume music, clearly how the music is marketed and it is distributed has changed dramatically. Is that an advantage for artists? Is there a disadvantage to, it seems as though you're maybe in a little bit more control of the music itself. Is that fair to say? Well, this is a conversation we've been having since the 90s. I remember sitting down with people at Universal talking about their first website launching. And I think as much as there are differences, we got to remember that there are tangible similarities in that, you know, people still love buying a vinyl record. We mm-hmm. have vinyl records with us on the road now because people love... A, to go to the experience, the live show and take something away from it and, and have something tangible. And that's why I think vinyl is coming back, you know, cause yeah, you know, if you're, if you're an old guy sitting there listening to kids saying, Hey, you know, it's, Oh, it's all about the new stuff. It's all about the streaming and stuff. No, it's not all about that. It's still about some tangible things that we used to like when we were kids as well, you know? So, so I think as much as it changes, it does stay the same in some way. Well, and it's funny because it's a lot, a lot of that is being driven by young people, right? Who are pushing back against the very things that their generation has made popular. It's the young people who have rediscovered vinyl and and they're pushing for this high, uh, what is it, high quality audio or high compression audio? I can't remember what the uh, the official term is, but mm-hmm. they're very much driving. It's it's like a almost like a cycle, so to yeah. speak. I think oh, absolutely, it is, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we like to have music at, at the in the palm of our hand and have like a, a, a you know terrible quality. So when you are when you have your rain <laughs> shower quality. head and it's, it's a Bluetooth speaker as well, you like to hear purple rain coming out of it for sure. But at the same time, you also like to go over to your big hi-fi, put a vinyl on, and 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 hear something that's actually naturally happening. You know, of a, a, a needle hitting a piece of vinyl. It's a, it's it's a magical sound. And as animals, we like hearing that. You know, we like hearing really high quality things as well. That's right. Dahl and Todd Kearns are both here. Age of Electric at Nashville's tonight. Get your rear ends out there and see some live music, which is unfortunately something that was so available in this community and everywhere, right? In Calgary, when I lived in Calgary and in Vancouver, you could go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday night. If you were creative, you could find live music. And of course, the opportunities for that is dwindled, unfortunately. But get out and see it because if it's... A great experience to hear it on vinyl. Hearing it live, there's no other way. And touring Western Canada by bus, that was kind of the rite of passage 20-something years ago. Why are you guys doing this again? Like, it's, it's just for, for kicks, or well, it's, you miss us? It's basically all of that. I mean, a real... For the money. <laughs> and for the money. Mostly the money. <laughs> I like the honest and, answer. And the chicks. No, I'm kidding. The, uh, I mean, mostly it's just kind of like, you know, when you're in a band, that's not even a conversation. It's like making the music, writing the music, recording the music. Then you go and play that music live, which in reality, to me, was always the most important thing was playing live. I, that's just how I'm built, you know? And how do you do that? You get in a vehicle, and you travel across the country, and you hit each spot you can hit, and... And play. We started in a 76 Caprice classic, I think. (laughs) 
We actually did. We actually did. Yeah. Until it broke down. Until it broke down. And then we had to like, I think we had to make grown up moves like renting vans and whatever else had to happen. Do you have a U-Haul in the back or just that? That was, I mean, a pretty big trunk, of course, but you couldn't wear all your gear. Actually, we had a truck. I think there was a gear truck and then we just had our our drummer's old Caprice that we would drive around from gig to gig. Yeah. One more question for Todd before we check uh, the forecast. Todd, uh, uh, I remember there was a trend in the mid to late 90s of all these rockers cutting their hair. Uh huh. And I seem to recall you were one of them. (laughs) Was that a sad day when you cut your hair? No, I mean, that's the funny thing about all that because we talk about this too is like when I think back on all the bands and all the stuff that was going on, it's just like, you know, we had all had like, we had all grown up listening to rock and roll music. And I came from a small town where even now I still don't really understand the designation between this is this and that's that. And like, so we grew up in a small town where there's no such thing as a scene. Like there was no like punk scene and then a metal scene and then a new wave scene. It was just all music to us. So people always ask me like, why do you know all the words to Cindy Lauper songs and Iron Maiden? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like music, you know? So to me, I never really put as much stock into the thing of whatever your hair looks like as much as everybody else seemed to. But you know, we were in rock and roll bands. We loved the New York Dolls. We loved the Ramones. Those guys are punk bands, but they had long hair. They uh, Iggy Pop wore leather pants. You know, it's like so to us, it was just sort of like we're kids playing in a rock band. And then as you get older, you're just kind of like, you know, yeah, I want to change. And like right now, my hair's as long as it was back in those days. And I'm gonna cut it off at some point too and be like, okay, let's let's try something else. It basically just says I don't have a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what really says you don't have a job? The neck tattoo. That's that's, that's the really established, I don't want a regular job yeah, at all. I say I don't God have one them. and I don't want I one don't either. Want one. No, take your job and stuff it. That's what that says. Age uh, of Electric plane tonight. We should all tonight. go get neck tattoos right now. Let's go. <laughs> you first. Age of Electric plane tonight. Thursday, April 6th, Nashville's Canadians, Transcona. And we will have more with Todd Kearns and Ryan Dahl after your forecast on 680 CJOB. I just shushed Todd Kearns of Age of Electric. <laughs> Ryan Dahl is here. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry on this Thursday afternoon tonight at Nashville's. What time are you guys hitting the stage? 10 o'clock. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Yes. Oh, that's the witching hour. That's perfect. Is it? Yes. Oh. It's well, it's moved back two hours when you when you hit my age. The witching hour used to be like one, and then it's twelve. And yeah, that's true. That's yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Absolutely perfect time for me. Uh, you guys have new music, Ryan. Yes, tell sir. us about that. Well, we had these four songs left over from the twenty-year-old record on these master tapes that I'd kind of stored for twenty years, and we thought, oh, okay, I'll take them into another studio. We got them baked. You have to bake these old uh, analog tapes, and we digitized them kind of cut them up because the reason they didn't make the record we just hadn't really finished them we hadn't just really... the tapes right just yeah. the tapes got baked yeah well, okay just making no. sure we got well, baked and then we uh, <laughs> baked the tapes <laughs> and then oh, so we no. cut we we kind of uh we just mixed them and then now now they're on the package we made a double vinyl package of all the songs that were on the record plus these four uh old songs and then in addition to that we've been working on some new songs so we have four new songs like a four new new song ep so eight songs altogether. Yeah, so the 20th with. anniversary of, of Make a Pest a Pet, the 1997 album, now has four unreleased songs on that, and then we released the Pretty EP, which is in, in conjunction with the Ugly EP from 1995. That's how clever we are. So the Pretty <laughs> EP has four brand new songs. So yeah, it's, it's always thinking. We're always thinking. It's not, not intelligent it's things. Pure marketing. Pure marketing genius is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, I wanted to ask you about uh, what you think of the fact that record stores are closing. At, because I, the reason it, I, I want to ask you this in particular is I remember walking into a store called Musiplex on Portage Avenue and putting my head, putting the headphones on and listening to Limb Lifter, oh, okay. liking it. 
and I bought the CD then and there. And the, the the landscape is changing in terms of the way we buy music. Does it make mm. you sad that record stores are closing? Well, that used to, that was a listening post. I remember trying mm-hmm. to get onto listening post because as soon as you got people to hear it, you know. So so the good thing about now, you know, is there's there are advantages, you know, because people can Spotify or Apple Music and and they can listen to your music for the first time and go, oh, okay, and they can kind of dip into different things that they wouldn't wouldn't before. So is it bad that they're closing? Well. I think they're starting to reopen, maybe, you know. So maybe some of the big, huge companies are closing down. But I was in a store yesterday in in Saskatoon looking at vinyl. So I think the small mom-and-pop stores are kind of coming up again. So that's – so, yeah, the big ones closed down, but I think some of them are coming back again. I hope. I don't want to dwell on the whole record business thing, but did the record business miscalculate yes. when streaming started? Oh, yes, yes. we right. watched them do it. We talked to them while they were doing it. They they didn't know what how to react, and they screwed up, and they keep screwing up. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, I mean, there's a great documentary about the whole Napster thing called Downloaded, and it's pretty fascinating to watch it again and go, geez, like, how didn't somebody not kind of like, let's have a powwow with these guys and try and figure out how to make this all work? It's just sort of like, it just... You know, and we all kind of, in our own way, probably suffered just because I remember, like, you know, when you put records out, it's different now because I think there's a fascination with vinyl and tangible music again. But mm-hmm. there was definitely a period there where people were thinking, well, I can have music just in the palm of my hand. My entire record collection is this big. You know, and you're like, it's, it's, it took a, a company like Apple to really put it together. You absolutely. Know? Yeah. It took real thinkers to do that. And I think in the record business, there wasn't real thinkers as, as far as Canada goes, there wasn't really a lot of people that were really innovating in the actual business itself. You know, there's very few people in Canada in the music business that are real record people that you can compare to real record people in the States. I know uh, KK was listening yesterday. Kathy Kennedy's here somewhere. Where did she go? She was here. <laughs> she was in studio. She's like Batman. You turn was, around, she's gone. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> anyway, she was listening yesterday. I confessed my man crush on you, Todd, yesterday on air. And so Bromance. It got me thinking about the whole, I, and Fitzy, I still love you too. But the bottom line is there must be still times for you. Like I'm sitting here, sitting with you and Ryan, and this is great. Third time doing it. All cool, but there must be times still when you guys look around and go, holy man, this is my life. This is what it's become. And you pinch yourself and you go, no, this is for real. You know, I, I honestly, people always ask me, like, what advice would you give my son if he wants to play music? I'd say <laughs> there's nothing you can tell him because in reality, if he's crazy enough to pick up the guitar and is still doing it 20, 30, 40 years later, then he just listened to himself or he had no backup plan like me. There's no backup plan whatsoever. <laughs> uh-huh. So, the, you know, it's almost like the best advice you can give is just to kind of like get a you, trade. Yeah, just get a trade <laughs> or, you know, some sort of education. For me, it was just a case of like, um, they. I mean, everybody would tell you these things. It's tough out there and it's tough to make money and your relationships will suffer. And I was kind of like, uh-huh. And I was like, that's fine. You know, that's and I just went yeah. into it like with a big smile on my face. And to be, you know, sure there's ups and downs and all the things that go along with it, but there's ups and downs in in uh in, in regular life, in in regular job kind of life too. So to me it was sort of like to be still doing it and be back in Winnipeg with the age of electric. It's fascinating to me to be, be up on stage playing and every once in a while I'll turn and look at Ryan, I'll turn and look at my brother John, I'll go, Oh wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, twenty this band is twenty eight years old now. Like over the last few days of this past week, the band turned twenty eight years old. And that's a twisted thing to think about, you know? Mm-hmm. But a good in a very positive way. Uh, very quickly, Ryan, uh, you mentioned the new music. Uh, can fans expect to hear some of that tonight? Yeah, we're playing most of the new music. Yeah, we're well. I guess uh, four of the songs off the new EP and one of the really old songs that we're we're playing. Yep. 
Bring yep. some extra cash so I can take home some vinyl or what? Yeah, yeah. heck yeah. We got yeah. all of it here, yeah. It's gonna Fantastic. It's going to be great to see you guys tonight. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. It's an honor, as always, to see you guys. Oh, thanks. And Witching hour. Your, <laughs> your, your music is absolutely, it has stood the test of time. It's clearly why nice. people are coming out by the uh, hundreds to see you uh, on this tour. Tonight at Nashville's, get your tickets. If they have any left, uh, they'll be on stage at 10 o'clock. But get there early because you'll see tons of people you probably haven't seen in a long time coming to an Age of Electric show. Todd Kearns and Ryan Dahl from Age of Electric. Again, Nashville's tonight, Canadians, Transcona. 2.33 on this Superstar Thursday afternoon, and the superstars keep rolling into the studio. Carolyn Klassen is here, Conexus Counseling. It's our weekly visit with her, and uh, you're commenting. we got a rock and roll band in the green room, and you're, you know, you're looking around, and you're going, wow. This is this is something. I am else. feeling really, yeah, really small right now. Why? Well, because when I was driving in, I heard you talk to the Bomblers, and then you know I'm sitting outside and watching these really cool band members walk out as just before I walk in, and I'm like, yikes! Um, it's uh, an intimidating group. Well, we made it through the first hour, uh, you know, the hour, and now it's another half hour with you. We get excited to see you, and that's honest to goodness. You do this weekly blog or thereabouts. <laughs> I don't want to hold you too weekly yeah. because I, I'm not a timekeeper like that. Connexuscounseling.ca is the website. It's an outstanding resource for lots of lots of things besides the blog and a great way to connect with you and, Thank you and to get some great advice. But a startling statistic, and that is that one of the genders or one of the partners is far more likely to file for divorce than the other. You were surprised to know that, weren't you? I was very surprised. Okay. Did the number surprise you? The number and which person did it. They I'm not both surprised. Surprised. You're me. not surprised. No. You knew? I I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. Okay. I just when I when I hear the when I hear it I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Okay. <laughs> well, so research indicates that women Initiate divorce 69% of the time. Over two-thirds. Isn't that crazy? I think it is. Well, and it, it, uh, I remember one of my colleagues um, used to say, man, when the guy threatens divorce, it's time to get working. When the woman says divorce, she means divorce. Like, then it's done. Uh, and so women, when they start, when they are contemplating divorce, they, may, they, they do it as a very last resort. And when they use that divorce word, typically, and certainly there's a vast number of exceptions, um, but they mean business. And often, unfortunately, in our experience, the guy's often kind of caught by surprise. Well, would, it, would there not be an attempt to fix things before just pulling that divorce trigger? Absolutely. Um, and when what what I think the irony is is that in our experience, there's often years of the women attempting to try to fix things, but it's not something that the guy noticed. Uh, and so the woman is saying, you know, I need you to help empty the dishwasher. I need you to get more involved in tucking the kids into bed. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, tomorrow I will for sure. Um, and he kind of puts her off and blows her off. And I don't think he really realizes the husbands don't realize that. The marriage is hard on the wives because wives are, and we we'll, we can talk a little bit about um, John Gottman's research around accepting influence from your spouse. But women, culturally, we're set up to be aware and in tune with what's going on, and so we when we notice our 
husband is tired, we say, why don't you sit down and I'll make supper today, right? Like that comes very naturally to a woman because that's how the culture we're raised. It's the air we breathe. Men, not quite so much, right? And so when the woman is exhausted, he might not notice and he might say, I'm kind of tired. Can you make supper tonight? And it's really hard for her. (laughs) Your eyes got big on behalf of every woman. That was a legitimate facial expression. It was like you were in that situation when you expressed that, that, are you serious? (laughs) We just both worked an 11-hour day. You're tired and you want me to make supper. And and my eyes kind of bugged because when I was looking across to Brett, Brett nodded like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. happens, right? It does. And and it's and to be really clear, 69% of women file divorce for divorce. It's not like the women the men are saying, I don't care about my wife. I want to make her life miserable. I don't care if she leaves. Not at all. The men they so often they simply they're well-intentioned but they don't get how serious it is until it's too late. And it's it's hard culturally for men to accept help. And so when things are going sideways, often their reaction is to say, well, I'm going to go to work because at work, I know that I'm competent there. I, I, I suck as a husband, so I'm going to avoid it. Uh, and it doesn't actually make things better. It just makes things worse. But it's really hard to dig in deep in an area where you feel like, I don't know how to do a good job. I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job. I don't know how to get better at it. How do you spend time in that space? exploring and figuring out what it means to change the connection you have with your spouse. That's really hard. I have two questions and I'll ask them one at a time. Uh, are men more solitary than women? I don't think, I, I don't think so. I think men are culturally raised to seek help less. I think men are just as social as women are, but men are less likely to say this isn't going well, is it right? I think a wife is raised um, culturally to check in with her husband, how's this going for you? What's working? What isn't working? And I think it's harder for a husband to say, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, what, what, what score would you give me? And what would I have to do to be a better husband? I'm interested in knowing. That's really vulnerable thing. And men are trained not to be vulnerable. So they're just as social, but they're, it's not, it's, it's an extra hurdle for them to ask the vulnerable questions and be in the vulnerable space. Okay. Well, in the follow-up for that, and I, I had a hunch and, and my hunch has been proven wrong, but the reason why I was asking about that is I was wondering if Maybe because guys can sometimes just kind of be solitary and maybe that can be interpreted as, well, he's not interested in me or doesn't really care about what is going on in my life. Whereas he's just kind of, well, I'm just, I'm okay to just kind of hang out for a little while by myself. Well, I think you're onto something there. I think uh, it's not that guys are necessarily more solitary, but when something's not going well, the guy says, oh, well, if I watch three hours of baseball, then I won't have to think about how things aren't going well. Whereas the woman, if it's not going well, she's been socialized to say to her husband, look, honey, something's not right here. Can we sit down and talk about it? And the women are often the maintainers of the relationship. And the guys, when it's not going well, they just kind of look the other way. And again, that's an overgeneralization. There's certainly lots of couples where this the roles would be reversed. So I'm I'm going to uh, act, in, act inquisitive here because I genuinely am. You say that women are more likely to say, you know, something's not right here. We need to talk about it. Yet 69% of women initiate divorce proceedings we're also under the impression that men are surprised by that. So how do, how do we make that connection from the women are more likely to say, hey, we've got an issue, to men being surprised when three quarters of divorce is initiated by their, their, their wife? 
And not not all of the men are surprised, but certainly some are. I think what happens is um, women are often raised to be the ones that are sort of the social conveners of the relationship. They're the ones that are looking after what the couple does on the weekend and how well they're getting along. And um, after a fight, they're often the ones that say, you know, can we reconnect? Uh, but what happens, it because it's hard for guys to be in the space of, I'm not very good at this connecting and this reconnecting, and they the guys kind of pull away. The challenge for the women is that the husband will will teach the wife of don't go there anymore. I don't want to hear it. Right? Um, they've been asked to participate in like women on average spend. This, these are very recent stats, American stats, but very recent stats. I suspect they're not that different from Canada. Women spend an hour a day more doing housework than men do. And that's a disparity when both have been working eight hours a day. Just do the math, right? Uh, And how often does a woman say, this is a problem, we need to address it. And when it doesn't go well, then she learns to numb out and to stop attending to it too. And then she, and, and then that's the problem is that one day she wakes up in the morning and says, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And, and typically then, there's no turning back from that. And there's, they're, they are so done, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they hung in there as long as they could. When they say they're done, they are done. And then all of a sudden the guys, the husband says, oh, you're serious. Like this really isn't good. Well, I really do love you and I really do want to marry you. Let's work on this. And it's too late. And, and that's why I wrote the blog is because I've watched men come in, beg their wives, say, this is something I really want to work on. And the woman said, how many times haven't I told you? And you didn't take me seriously before, or you did something just for a few days and then you went back. I can't believe you now. And it would hurt too much to try to trust you. I dare not let myself have another go at this because it would just hurt too much. In my experience, you mentioned that it's usually, it can, it is often the women who try to reconnect after a fight. In my experience, it's the the reverse. I, uh, I could, I had I have bad uh, luck in choosing women who can go three days of being angry before they decide they want to have a, a civilized conversation. <laughs> Yikes! Um, yeah, I'm really bad at it. I think it's I think it's important that you point something out, Brad, and that is that we're talking about some percentages and some generalizations about men and women and why more women file for divorce than men. Um, but I think there's what you point out is there's a lot of variation and that there are a lot of guys who work hard at these relationships, try hard and wonder how come it is that they're not met halfway. Also, just before a forecast, I, on the, the housework front, I, I have a friend who uh, that, that comes to mind. You know, while his wife is, is working hard doing laundry or whatever, he's working hard cleaning his golf clubs. I mean, that's, uh, that's an important part of the housework as well, is it not? No comment. Forecast coming up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. She is Carolyn Clausen, a therapist with Conexus Counseling. The website is conexuscounseling.ca, where she's written another fabulous blog post. This one is called, Does Your Wife Impact Your Life? And it is about how 69% of divorces are started by the wives. And there's a part here, Carolyn, the, the subheadline, Dear Husbands Whose Wives Are Lonely For You, you don't want that to be you, do you? What does that mean, wives are lonely for you? Well, I think what I did was I wrote this blog to husbands who love their wives, but their wives don't know how much they are loved because when you carry a movie camera throughout the day, there's not a lot of evidence that the woman knows that she matters. And I think often husbands care far more deeply for their wives than what their wives might guess. 
And this was sort of a plea to husbands to say, live the outside how you are in the inside. Um, there's a stat by um, Dr. John Gottman, who's also known as the love scientist, because he does some really solid research on couples and what makes a couple successful. And he's had some remarkable results with being able to predict who's, which couple's going to make it and which isn't based on their behaviors with each other. And he says that a very strong predictor of divorce um, is the husband's ability to accept influence from the wife. Does the wife, is who she is and what's going on in her life, does it impact the husband? Does it matter in his behaviors and in his actions? And, and the, sort of the what he says is that women generally are able to accept influence from their husbands. Not 100% of women, but more women than not, because women are raised to accept influence from the people around them. Men, if they are able to accept influence from their wives, have a much greater chance of marital success. And so that means when you're going on a fishing trip and she's saying, my friends are coming over tonight and the house is really messy, rather than saying, too bad, so sad, I'm out of here, to say, I'll see, you know, what if I give you an hour, I'll leave a little later and I'll help you clean up the house. Like that is such a significant way to say, you matter to me, your friends matter to me, how you're doing and um, your distress over the messiness of the house, that, all, that, that impacts on my behavior and I will allow it to influence my life. And when your wife can see that she influences you and your behaviors and your actions and your words, that you just increase the chance of marital success substantially statistically. Well, it's funny because uh, Jackie's in the middle of doing one of these crazy 30-day yoga challenges. Okay. So she's going every day for 30 days. Wow. Her alarm's going off at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> She gets up and she goes and comes back. And by the time she gets home, boys are up showered and having breakfast and whatnot. Jackie's routine is to to make lunches. Well, this morning she comes down after coming home and she showers and starts getting ready for work. And she, she comes downstairs and I've got the bread, the cutting board out and the bread and everything out. And she just looked at me and she goes, are you making lunches for the kids? I said, yeah, I'm capable. <laughs> But you know, and but that was the end of it. That was the end of it. But I know that that just that little thing, that tiny little gesture, just to you know what I can do this today, probably made all the difference in the way she started her day. Well, and what you just said really is backed up in the research by Dr. John Gottman, where he says that trust is built and and love and relationship is built in the smallest of moments. And so while a trip to Europe or something fantastic, it's not that that's unimportant, but what really builds a relationship up is the small gestures that happen here and there throughout the day that say, I see you, you matter to me, I want to make your life better. And pulling the bread out and starting to put make sandwiches, she will remember that and it does matter. And that builds up when you do those actions that builds up a relationship the way the big grand gestures cannot you said uh live outside as you live inside i think right or uh, or behave outside as you behave inside um what if it's hard for guys to do it like not they're not being romantic because they're they're not they're jerks or maybe it's just sometimes hard to express that kind of affection outwardly yes however it is a woman has no ability to read your mind. You might wish that she could. You might sometimes think that she can. But if you love her and there isn't an external way for her to know that love, either by actions or by words or by notes or by any one of a thousand ways to show her, and sometimes, you know, taking her along to play golf with you on Saturday says, I love it when you spend time with me doing my thing. 
<laughs> Whoa, look at Greg is just cringing right now. <laughs> Did you just say that out loud? <laughs> she doesn't listen, does she, Greg? Oh, no, lots of her friends. No, that, that's not happening. No, no, they're, they're, you know, George Costanza talks about worlds colliding and there just are some things that are meant to be separate and golf is, at least in our house, that's something that. If relationship Greg meets independent Greg, he will kill independent Greg. Exactly. Yeah, no, 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 no. Carolyn, I, I, I always trust your advice. This is one you need to maybe reconsider here. The whole idea of, of but, uh, but idea, I understand what you're saying. But the idea is, is that she can't know that you love her unless she has to experience your love. And so there are wonderful men out there who deeply love their wives and their wives have not got a hot clue because right. it's too hard for the men in their actions and in their words and in their life to say, you matter to me. And sometimes you matter to me is as simple as saying, here's the remote control. Let's watch what you want to watch. And she switches it away from sports and puts it on a renovating show. And then you watch her eyes sparkle and light up because she's having fun and you have fun. You don't just resentfully put in the time to watch the show, but you enjoy her enjoying it. And she can tell that 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 matters to you. It's those sorts of things that have her experience your love. And when a woman feels loved, then she's all in. And when a man feels love, he's all in, right? It's kind of odd, really, that that can that can end up being a problem because when I would imagine when a couple falls in love, it's 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 shown on both parts, right? Yes. But then as time goes on, it, it seems to it can become harder for the guy to express that that very sentiment that he had no problem expressing at first. Well, and the stereotype is, you know, I love you, and when that changes, I'll let you know. But in the meantime, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it said that way, but that's, yeah. But it doesn't on. actually work like that. No. That might be a nice idea for a guy who has a hard time wearing his heart on his sleeve. But I think it's important for a guy to say, it might be hard for me to let my wife know I love her, or to let the people in my life know I love her. What What are doable ways that I can make that happen? If it's too hard to say it, can you write it? Can you text it rather than then say it. How is it possible for you to do that, right? How And how do you, John Gottman talks about a love map and a love map is finding out about your partner in a way that lets you love them better. So it's finding out what her favorite takeout place is and it might be hard to find out what her favorite takeout place is because you might always order takeout from your favorite places and you don't even know where she likes because no one's ever thought to have what she wants matter. So it's finding all those things out about her and then using those to say, I see you, you matter to me. I notice you and I am going to let you know that. I know we're running out of time here, but the doghouse flowers, right? Mm-hmm. Don't wait till you're in the doghouse to buy the flowers. Don't wait for Valentine's Day or birthday or something. Pick a day at random for an unknown reason and create kind of your own reason for doing it. Yeah, and flowers are great, but sometimes even saying, you know, can I bring you a, a Diet Coke or would you like a glass of wine or and you go and you do it as little and those are things that often she does for you that you don't even realize and it's picking up on and saying what can I do or what kinds of things have I done or what kinds of things can I do today so that when she goes to bed tonight she knows she is loved. In the restaurant business, we used to call that silent service. Mm. Just do it. You don't have to ask. There's certain things you didn't need to get permission from the guest to provide them. And it matters. It matters. It says to people, I see you and I'm attending to you and I'm tuned in because I'm paying attention. And people love that. 
Carolyn Clausen. Once again, the name of the blog post is Does Your Wife Impact Your Life? And it sort of focuses on how 69% of divorces are initiated by the wife. So if you love your wife, don't be afraid to show it because it could end up costing you. I, I really summarize that in kind of a crude way. That's harsh. <laughs> the website where you can read this blog post, uh, minus my embellishment, is connexuscounseling.ca. Carolyn Clausen joins us every week at 2.30. Global News. Up. Oh, hang on. I think Carolyn should pay you to read her blogs. That's what I think. The audio version. <laughs> It'll cost you. It'll get you. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. And Greg, I just wanted to quickly revisit the the topic that we sort of broached there with Carolyn when you started to cringe when Carolyn suggested, you know, maybe you bring your wife to go golfing with you. And you immediately cringed. That is a subject I've always wondered. If I were to find a partner a lady friend who likes to golf, would that be a good thing or would it be a bad thing? And I don't necessarily know. I don't know either. I, you know, I could see the benefit of either, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up in a relationship with someone that likes to golf as much as you do or watch football or go to Jets games or what have you. Uh, that sounds like a really good thing. But I also see the flip side where... Two worlds colliding now. It's like, well, how do I, where do I get my time? Mm. Because me time is important for you and for your partner, for your wife, your husband, whoever's in the equation. Uh, Spending all your time together. I know a lot of people say, you know, a couple that plays together stays together. Yeah. A couple that doesn't spend every waking moment together, I think, stays together, too. I think there has to be a little bit of a balance there. Yeah. You need, you need me time. Because I remember going to, I was playing a round of golf at Larter's at St. Andrews, and I got paired up with this couple. I want to say he was in his 40s, and she looked to be late 30s. And they, they didn't have kids, uh, but they... They were having a blast. You could tell they were having a blast together mm-hmm. because they were out playing golf together. And I thought that would be fun. But I, I guess the the concern that I have, and I don't want I don't want to make it sound like I'm some sort of sexist pig. I don't want to golf with the woman. But it's not about that. It's just no. about like my time with my friends on the golf course is important to me. That have having that com- that time for that camaraderie. So would it? I, I guess my concern is would it be replaced by that. Well, I'm going to suggest to you that anybody that you met that had a genuine understanding of the benefits of golf, the benefits of spending that much time together in a setting like that and learning a lot about each other. You know how I feel about the best job interview is a four-hour round of golf (laughs) and what you can learn about an individual and how they deal with uncertain times and adversity and how are they a good winner? Are they good loser, etc. All sorts of personality traits come out. If you meet someone that understands golf that way, and I suspect if you're spending a lot of time golfing together, she or he would also respect the idea of you wanting that with your male or female friends to have that separate time to have, you know, Sunday as Golf day with the buddies. We can golf any other day together if we can work it into our schedule. But Sunday remains golf day with the buddies or the ladies or 
the girls, the gals, the guys. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I'm saying? No, there, there's room for compromise for anything. I guess it's just one of those. It's obviously a hypothetical at this point because I <laughs> remain single. Uh, and it, it would be an interesting problem that that could potentially present itself. I know we want to we want to promote something. I just want to quickly read this text, which I have just noticed now for the first time. Sure. Uh, we're actually getting a couple of texts here. This is in relation to... Carolyn Clausen's blog uh, post, which once again you can read at connexuscounseling.ca. The blog post is, Does Your Wife Impact Your Life? And it was about how women tend to, well, they don't tend to, they trigger 69% of divorces. There's one text here from Dave that says, This has turned into a woman good and man bad forum, just so wrong. Another text says, Feeling a little picked on as a man. Why is it wife versus husband and not just spouse, period? That wasn't the intention, and Carolyn did say multiple times. These, she's generalizing. Uh, there are obviously differences. It's not applicable to all married couples. It was just saying this is a startling statistic to her, and maybe if you, there's, a, there's a chance that you're in that same position. Well, there's a more likely chance than not. Yeah. That's why they do these research studies. That's why they look at things to find out what is normal, what is usual. And if you happen to be bucking the trend, uh, then you are, hey, you're doing you're doing great. And it wasn't about picking on guys no, or saying was, guys are bad. Mm-mm. It was just pointing out these are the different some some differences between men and women, and women initiate more divorces than men. We had a conversation. We read that letter. And here I, I'm going off my very typically bad memory. We read that letter from, is it Amy Rosenbaum, the, the journalist, the writer that passed away, and she wrote the open letter, you may want to marry my husband. Mm. I believe it was Amy Rosenbaum. Right. And we read that on the air. Well, we didn't. We had Charles Adler do it. Yes. And we played that audio in a way, and he told that story in his voice as only he can. And I had at least two text messages and one email that said, thanks for sharing that. It made me want to be a better husband or some variation of that. And so when we have these conversations with Carolyn, when there are statistics like this and we're giving our point of view and we're having the discussion, quite often it's an opportunity for this to be a wake-up call. We're not trying, you know, we can't possibly speak to every single person in every situation on every topic. It's a generalization. And for some people, it might have been an opportunity for it to be a wake-up call and for you to realize, oh my gosh, maybe I do take my partner, whether you're a husband or a wife, you might be taking the other person for granted if you're, you know, if, if you're open to receiving advice like that. Or if, if, if you're in a same-sex partnership, it doesn't That's have right. to be husband-wife. Of course not. It could be just uh, any partnership. So again, just wanted to address that. Oh, thank you, Dave, and to this other anonymous texter for pointing this out because uh, there's always that concern, right, when you talk about these things that it ends up like, like you're picking on one gender or picking on another. Certainly not the case. Uh, and it's uh, Amy Rosenthal. You were close. I you apologize. Close. No, so don't, close. no, no. Goodness, no apologies necessary that uh, you did that, like you said, off the top of your head. It is 3.14. We will, we're going to tell you about something that is happening here at the radio station after traffic and weather together. And we have stuff to give away all next. Mostly clear tonight to low of one. Mix of sun and cloud tomorrow. South wind up to 60 kilometers an hour with a high 15. A mix of sun and cloud on Saturday with a slight chance of showers and a high of 17. I'm just 
Ah, I don't know what the temperature is. I don't have the window it's open. 10, it's 10. 10 degrees? 10. <laughs> now it's 11. Do I hear 12? It's 11. My favorite tabs are, that's why I can't. The tabs at the top yes. of the favorites, they're, yes. they're gone. Somebody messed with them. No, I think I did probably. It's I'll 11 it degrees okay. at 680 CJOB. Oh, I guess I got to read a sponsor now. Traffic and Weather Together is brought to you by someone. There it is for the Club Region Event Center, presenting the Fab Four, the ultimate tribute, June 17th. Tickets available through Ticketmaster. Visit casinos at winnipeg.com for details. We start talking about love and you get all flustered. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. Is that what it is? No, you, it's not. you start contemplating sharing a golf course with a significant other, and everything goes to pot. Is that it? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just bad at this. I it's, thought, uh, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. You keep talking. I was gonna. You wanted to talk about yeah, this? I know, but we got some great text messages here. Okay. Well, Heather said, read Heather's message because it, it mimicked what I said, but coming from Heather, I think it's way more valuable advice. Heather says he needs to find the gal that lives golf as much as him, knows that you both need your me time on the golf course, golf with the boys and golf any other time together. That's that's great insight, Heather, and thank you for providing that. I suppose the search is on. How about this one? I'm a woman, and I don't like golfing with women either. I don't know who who said that they didn't like (laughs) golfing with women, but if that's the way it came out, we'll go with that. I got my husband into golf, and wherever we go to golf in the States, Palm Springs, the men we get paired with start uh, off rolling their eyes when they see a couple, and because they play seriously yet with fun, we always end up having a great time. That's from DC. Thank you for that. I... uh I've been paired up with women a few times, and and I don't mind it because typically, depending on the course I've been to, like I, there was a course, one course was Falcon Lake, there was another one, Bridges. You can just tell from the way they're dressed, they mean business. They're there to play, and they're not, so I don't, I don't mind. Well, I think if, I don't care what gender you are, if you are spending that kind of dough to golf, either you're there to enjoy yourself regardless of your level of play, or you are, as you say, serious about it. And so that's why I like going to those golf courses so that if you end up getting paired up with somebody, usually I end up slowing people down. (laughs) And so I send them on their way. You know, if you want to play through or play, you know, I would understand. But uh, yeah, it's such a a great gauge. I, I, I think it, it might be time to start golfing with certain someone. Okay. Yep. Yep. We have prizes to give away. Mm-hmm. Want to do that right now? <laughs> yeah. Just before we move on, I think a couple that doesn't do everything together uh, is good. Both people still have a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> so we could talk about this for a long time. Keep sending those text messages. We love it. Great insight. Uh, insight is uh, even better from our listeners and uh, anybody else, including our guests. I agree that. Or I uh, view it that way uh, 100%. Uh, the Okanagan, my old stomping grounds, we're going to give away a trip, much like the flyway to see you too. You have to qualify. You have to put your name in and say, I want to go here. Start doing that. Go to cjob.com and starting on Monday, we are going to start announcing names that qualify for 680 CJOB's Okanagan bucket list flyaway. And uh, so, yeah, starting Monday, April 10th, listen weekdays for a chance to win a trip for two to Canada's premier golf resort, Predator Ridge in the Okanagan Valley. So awesome. So it's going to be, oh, 
See what they've done here? They've adjusted the times. Because they know. Because they know we're going to screw it up. <laughs> yep. 7.15 on the Shadow Davis mm-hmm. Show. 11.15 with Jeff Courier. 2.15 on Mackling and McGarry, which means now we can push to 2.25 <laughs> if we want. And 5.15 on the news with Richard Clute and Julie Buckingham. Remember, Mackling and McGarry is where listeners come to become winners. That's right. right? Where listeners become winners, and we have Winstock. Do you want to do that right now? You want to do it? Let's do it right now as we have time just ahead of traffic and weather together. Phone lines are now open. Uh, we have tickets, two tickets to Winstock tomorrow night, 13th annual in honor of the Movement Center. These are $40 tickets, $80 worth of tickets. It's a charity event. I implore you to come have a great time, Battle of the Bands, but you got to be willing to bring a little bit of money because Richard Cluche and I, along with a couple other celebrity judges, are going to be trying to pull that money out of your pockets. So if you'd like to come and you can pick up those tickets, Tickets uh, today by 4.30 or tomorrow before 4.30. We'd love to have you. 780-6868. The fifth caller through gets those tickets. It's Greg and Brett Thursday afternoon. And if I'm sounding sullen, it's because of this next story we're going to di- discuss. We've been sharing this with you on the news uh, all day today. A four-year-old girl has died after an ATV crash south of Winnipeg. RCMP say it happened in the Marchand area off of Twin River Road and Provincial Road 210 yesterday afternoon. The girl was sitting in front of her father on an ATV. They were driving up a hill and the ATV flipped backwards onto both riders before rolling down the hill. Police say the girl was wearing a helmet and the investigation is ongoing. ATV is becoming very popular, has been popular in our province for an awfully long time. And joining us to discuss the activity and its popularity and the safety concerns and safety measures, Armando Brambilla joins us. He is the president of the All-Terrain Vehicle Association of Manitoba. Did I butcher your last name there, Armando? I apologize. No, it's exactly how it looks. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking this time. And, of course, I can only imagine in, in this community, the ATV community, uh, a lot of sadness over this uh, uh, tragedy. Uh, ATV operation is something that I think maybe we take for granted because uh, you don't have to take a driver's license for it. Uh, are we as safe as we ought to be on these things, Armando? You know, it really depends. I mean, there are certainly a number of people out there who are very well-versed in how to handle an ATV, uh, particularly one that's rated for their size, one that's appropriate for their size. Uh, There's people who ride on managed trails. There's people who actually take safety courses. Uh, But I think the message is getting out there. The ATV has had a tremendous increase in ridership in the last 20 years, and uh, I think it's, you know, obviously it's it's a lot of fun to engage in, but there is an element of safety that needs to be considered. These are not toys as much as people like to consider them so. And uh, I think that's where really people really need to think about. What what are some of the biggest things that uh, people tend to overlook, Armando? Well, there's a few common sense things. Obviously, the first is never to uh, operate an ATV while under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, and other common sense safety things, such as uh, ensuring your machine is in good working order. I mean, these are all-terrain vehicles, so see, uh, all-terrain vehicles, so they do uh, ride on various different types of landscapes and are subject to a bit of a beating, so to speak. Uh, so it's you know it's very important to make sure your machine is always in good repair. There's actually uh, in every user manual the T clock and bone C. Uh, acronyms or initialisms, if you will, which uh, you know basically describe about the process to uh, check over your machine to make sure it's good. 
obviously wearing a helmet, which is mandatory in Manitoba, uh, other safety equipment as well, and generally just keeping an eye on the terrain. I mean, uh, when you're riding out in uh, in any area, the terrain can change drastically in a very short period of time. So, you know, keeping your speed down and, and, and handling appropriate for the terrain is very important. Armando, it's Brett McGarry here. We often hear about ATV crashes involving these vehicles flipping. Uh, is it because the vehicles are simply more prone to toppling over like this? Uh, you know, as compared to the old three-wheelers, I would say no. They're, they're obviously, the three-wheelers were uh, banned from being uh, from being sold within the province uh, some odd years ago, um, favoring, uh, you know, the four-wheeled approach. And in fact, in in the recent uh, recent years, we've seen a, a huge increase in the number of uh, what are called uh, side by sides or utility uh, terrain vehicles. Uh, you know, like the Polaris Razors and the uh, the uh, Kawasaki Honda uh, you know, Terrets and things like that, which generally are a little more safer because they are more like a almost like a vehicle. You know, generally equipped with a roll cage and whatnot. I honestly think that in in many cases, uh, you know, whenever there is an ATV accident, it's a combination of uh, multiple factors, and it's hard to say because it is a case by case thing. Are some of these vehicles designed for just one person, and we tend to put our youngsters at risk by putting them on these machines, even though they weren't necessarily designed for them, Armando? I would actually agree with that statement. If you know, when you speak with the dealer when you're purchasing a machine, most machines will have a you know, a defined uh, wheelbase and whatnot. And you'll generally find that there are machines that are designed for more than one person. They have a longer wheelbase. Uh, they have bigger footwells where they're, a, you know, a, a rear-riding passenger can uh, put their feet down in there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the machines, you know, they do sell, uh, they refer to them as two-up seats, I guess, that you can strap on, like, the back cargo rack of, of your ATV. Uh, they aren't intended for a second passenger. They're just intended for a, a different seat for you to sit in while you're at rest. Should these vehicles be driven uphill? Like, is there is there a, a safe level of hill or a safe level of incline that is okay for these vehicles before it becomes dangerous? Well, definitely there is. Most of the time, when you look at the uh, the operator's manual with every ATV that you uh, that you see out there, they do recommend a maximum incline that you should be approaching. Uh, or that you should be riding up in order to maintain your safety. You know, obviously, uh, an element to that is is the rider and handling it, uh, whether or not they've been involved in an ATV safety course and whatnot. Armando, thirty four thousand registered vehicles like this in the province—that's no small number. Uh, I had never been on one up until this past summer, in fact, and that was because someone that I grew up with. A uh, long time ago was was killed on one of the aforementioned three-wheel vehicles, so I'd been apprehensive about riding one myself and letting my kids get on one. It is exhilarating. It is a, a fantastic way to spend an afternoon or an evening, I have to admit. Absolutely. And you know what? That number you threw out there, 34,000, we actually have pegged in the number of, uh, if you want to refer to them as ATVs, when you start including the side-by-sides, we're upwards of around 42,000, 43,000 machines that are registered in the province. Wow. And again, registered machines don't actually include, you know, uh, ATVs that are used for uh, farming purposes because they are very uh, useful in farming uh, implements as well. Uh, when you consider where we were about 20 years ago in 1998, there were about 3,150 registered machines in the province. So, you know, like a 1,400% increase. 
Regarding uh, the the number of accidents that happen on these vehicles, and we certainly don't want to try to speculate as to what may have led to this particular crash, but it, do are some of these crashes caused, do you think, by perhaps a sense of invincibility? You know, I'm on an all-terrain vehicle. This can tackle all-terrain. Uh, I would actually agree with that statement. And in, in some cases, I would actually believe it's merely a, a lack of education. Um, riding an ATV is not necessarily a difficult thing to do. Again, it's going to be dependent on multiple factors. Uh, but there is a certain element of education that you need to be able to handle the machine, particularly on different types of terrain. You know, when you're riding down a nice straight you know, uh, old rail bed, like, uh, for instance, the Interlake Pioneer Trail that runs through the heart of the Interlake, which is one of our managed trails, it's a lot different when you're going through a, you know, a, uh, a, a gravel-based trail that's winding through, like, the Sandyland Forest. So, you know, different terrains require different levels of handling. Armando, are there education programs and other sorts of get-togethers that you offer as a group? They, we, we don't have anything official as far as the safety program goes. We've actually been working with the Manitoba government on developing a sustainable funding model, uh, and that model would be uh, used to bring in revenue that would allow us to have a, like a subsidized uh, ATV safety course, uh, particularly to engage younger riders people or people new to the sport who, uh, you know, who may not otherwise have the access to that education. As it is right now, as an interim uh, measure, we have partnered with Safety Services Manitoba, uh, they're a nonprofit organization as well, and they do offer ATV safety training. But we do know that the enrollment in that course is fairly low as far as recreational riders go. They're, you know, mostly we see that uh, for uh, uh, business uh, businesses that have their uh, their staff that are working uh, that are working outdoors or into that course. Though there have been a number of people that have uh, taken it for reg- uh, recreational purposes. Armando Armando Brambilla is the president of the All Train Vehicle Association of Manitoba. You can find them online. Armando, how do we find you on the World Wide Web? Our website is www.atvmb.ca. We also have accounts on Facebook, or a page on Facebook and a Twitter account as well. We appreciate your time today, and once again, thanks for speaking with us in light of this uh, tragedy yesterday. Thanks for your time, gentlemen. It is 346 on 680 CJOB. Traffic and weather together is up next. 350 on this Thursday afternoon. Richard and Julie uh, coming into the studio. Last night, you might have seen in the southwest sky a bright star that was changing colors, changed green, yellow. My uncle phoned me last night. It was an airplane. No, it wasn't. It was Sirius. I sent, You're really? Yeah, it You're was serious. serious. Yeah, I, I am serious. I sent a message to our friend and UFOlogist, Chris Rutkowski, and he said, yeah, most likely serious. I asked, does it change color in the sky? He said, most definitely. So there you go. If you were wondering what that celestial object was, it wasn't the police helicopter. It was most likely serious. Speaking of serious, we've got some serious things in the news today. We do. Uh, we're working on a global news exclusive at 5 o'clock. Uh, more on that uh, within the next uh, hour and four minutes here on 680 CJOB. Uh, there's lots of serious stories out there, but there are some fun stories that we're going to capture between 4 and 7. Uh, after the news, we're going to talk to the Auditor General because uh, wait lists, if you know somebody or are on a wait list for an MRI, They've uncovered some of the problems with the system and recommendations for changes. The health minister also uh, talking about that. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to get into, um, I think, honoring and helping explain 
uh, a very famous battle that's approaching its 100th anniversary. That's right. And in fact, we're hearing from the Vimy Foundation that young Canadians are very engaged in marking the battle at Vimy Ridge. Of course, it's going to be 100 years. I happen to have a nephew that is representing the Canadian Armed Forces that will be there. My family and I are traveling there later this summer. And it it turns out that it's not just of interest to those of us who lost ones, loved ones in the First and Second World War, but it's really um, catching the eye of Canadians and young Canadians as well. Now, I don't know who you're speaking with. We spoke with Jeremy Diamond earlier in the week, and he told us that young people really are getting the message, and it feels as though there's a real turning point here in terms of the involvement and the interest in honouring uh, not only World War One, but World Two veterans as well. And yeah. so this is a huge, huge The Vimy battle. Foundation teamed up with Ipsos and actually did some research on it. So Fantastic. We'll it and more. later after 6.30, we're going to talk to the author of Dream Shall Be of Them, the 100th anniversary of Vimy Ridge, Eric McGeer, will join us. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, thank you so much. The news from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. Thank you, friends. I had to Google what is serious... <laughs> Uh, and I have learned that it is a star system and the the brightest star in the Earth's night sky. I thought, like, it was it Alpha Centura or something when we were kids that was the brightest star in the sky. I, I don't know. I was terrible with the astronomy stuff, so... Uh, serious, by the way, is uh, Romanization of Greek, and it means glowing or scorching. So I guess that's why it changes color. Yeah, that's in neat. In the sky. So thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, that's cool. I want to see this video after uh, as well. So uh, once again, congratulations to all our winners over the last week and a half for the Age of Electric tickets. That show once again tonight, Nashville's. And what time did they say they're going to take the stage approximately? Well, they say 10 o'clock. I don't know if that's Guns N' Roses 10 (laughs) o'clock or if that's Age of Electric 10 o'clock. So uh, make sure you're there. Say around 9, you can have a couple beverages, catch the end of the Jets game against uh, the Blue Jackets, and say hi if you see Brett and or I tonight. I will be there. I'm convincing this young man to join me. It is 3.54 on 680 CJOB. The news is coming up next.